You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, Cleveland Cavaliers, Memphis Grizzlies, color analyst currently with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Sir, good to see you. I can tell you you're you're in your office right now enjoying life, but soon travels are ahead. What, what's next on the Fratello calendar? New York City, Big Apple, Ooh. going in there for Saturday night encounter. Clippers versus Knicks, then Monday night, Clippers versus Brooklyn, get on the plane Tuesday, fly all day to L.A., then on Wednesday, Dallas at Clippers, on Thursday, Joe Torrey's Safe at Home Foundation fundraiser, day off from basketball, then Friday, next game, Sunday, next game, then fly back here again. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing my daily radio show. I don't live <laughs> I don't live the exciting Fratello life. I'm mixing in some Akron men's and women's basketball though, so that's kind of fun. I like that. That's fun. Cavaliers are playing the Memphis Grizzlies, Mike, on Thursday, and will have played the the Grizzlies on Thursday. I think these two teams. Are, and, and I wouldn't call them mirror images of each other. I don't think that's true. But they're both younger teams, and they have similar records. And, and let me bounce some of these things. This is what made me think this. Right now, uh, before they play, Cavs are 31-22. and 22. Grizzlies have won one more game. They're 32-19. and 19. Each team terrific at home. 21-6 and six for the Cavs and 21-4 and four for the Grizz. And these are two of your teams, obviously two of your three teams that you coached and both are struggling on the road a little bit. Cavaliers 10 and 16 Grizzlies 11 and 15. And I say struggling only because they're, they're behind other teams that are near the top of their conferences that they're competing with that have been better on the road. But I I think they're kind of interesting, young, somewhat similar teams because really good young cores, Mike, who I think have caught the attention of an awful lot of people. There's no question about it. Um, for some reason, Jeff, every team, and I I can't think of one that has not gone through at least one stretch this year where they lose three in a row, four in a row, some of them five in a row, and then all of a sudden they bounce back and put a string back together again. And it's happened to everyone. Boston has, has gone through that type of a thing. 
who had the best record in the league for so many uh, weeks. So I don't know why. Obviously, Stephen Adams missing from Memphis is a huge piece for them. Uh, he's so big and strong and plays that center position so well. Uh, but you had John Moran out for X number of games and guys who were really playing well and shooting the ball well, suddenly Memphis is having a hard time making three-point shots, and they take enough of them during the course of the game. And I've seen a number of teams go through this where they can't make shots all of a sudden. And it's the fact that the All-Star game is coming up very soon, and it's normally about that time that the players, coaches, everyone kind of welcomes a little break to uh, gas back up again, get ready for the stretch run. Uh, but for some reason, you've got to be able to fight through these periods that every team seems to be going through, whether it be because of injury or the way the schedule has fallen. And then you got to bounce back mm -hmm. or else all of a sudden you're going to be in the middle of the pack where you know, and I know, there are so many teams bunched up all fighting for a playoff spot. Well, let's start again. All fighting for home court advantage. Yes. Then a playoff spot. Then a play-in spot. And there are a lot of people that are in competition for those spots. And there are a lot of spots. 20 of the 30 teams in the NBA get in this year. I think that's – and last year with the play-in tournament. I think it's really interesting. The the one thing we've heard a lot, Mike, lately, and the, the Cavs have gone through a little bit of a of – a, I won't even call it a, a terribly tough stretch, but they've been about a month without winning two games in a row. And, and that's after, you know, starting the season eight and one and being really good. We've heard a lot about a young team coming together. And I, I need your, I need your expertise on this. Does that mean young players? Because Donovan Mitchell is 26 and, now, Darius is 24. Jared Allen is is in his mid 20s as well, and Evan Mobley's just 21. Does that mean young as in ages? Because you know Mitchell and Allen are, are veterans at this point, even though they're in their mid 20s. Or does that mean young team as in okay, Donovan just came here and we've only played 50 some games together. We need to learn how to play together. So as a team or a or a young group coming together, or is it some combination of both? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think you have to be in the locker room uh, to know every day what goes on with every team because some teams are led by individuals that have strong personalities that are outstanding players and the people will listen and follow because of who it is. Let's use a LeBron James as an example. He'll be vocal, then he'll go out on the floor and back it up with his play. Uh, there are other strong leaders that are not very vocal. Larry Bird was not a vocal uh, player to his teammates, meaning in the locker rooms, getting on them all the time. He may have had fun with them. Mm -hmm. He may have been you know, encouraging to them, uh, but he was the leader by his play. They watched what he did. They watched him dive for loose balls. You know, they watched him make the extra pass. 
and then they want to make big shots at the end of games to win games and championships. So he led that way. Michael Jordan did it both ways. He wasn't afraid to say to his teammates that they got to get their act together. Then he went out on the floor and showed them by his play. So who's leading this Cavaliers team? Is it Jared Allen because of his seniority and his presence out there? Kind of a quiet guy, but he could be a leader in the locker room. A lead by example guy, certainly, yes. Yeah. Uh, It could be Donovan Mitchell, who we – I had the feeling that he will speak his mind and and talk to the guys in Oracle if if something's not right or he sees something wrong, that he would not be afraid. I don't know if Darius is at that point yet that he's willing to take on those responsibilities. I don't think Mobley wants to be in that spot right now. It's hard for younger guys, like you mentioned, 21, 22-year-old guys, to try and step above veteran guys who are good guys and leaders in their own right and take over unless you're a really superstar kind of guy that has the, you know, ultimate confidence in himself and what he can do out on the floor. So having said that, you know, maybe it's a team that's looking around for somebody to step up and be that leader on the team and help them during these times. And you have to go through experiences to have experience. Mm. That's why veteran teams, they say they've been there before. They know what it's about. So when it comes back around the second and third time, they try to deal with it and handle it better. A new young team that's just kind of getting there now, achieving success. Remember last year, the Cavaliers started out achieving great success. They were the talk of the league. Yes. And then all of a sudden, there was an injury here, an injury there. And they weren't that same Cavaliers team. And down the stretch, you know, it wasn't the same Cavs team down the back stretch. So they're going through it again now. And let's see if after going through this period that they're going through, which hasn't been the best and not necessarily shooting the ball as well as they can, missing free throws, making mistakes at the end of the game, turning over the ball and giving up points off the turnovers uh, that are greater than their opponents are. Maybe they need to be working their way out of this now. I'm sure the team is talking in the locker room. I know J.B. Bickerstaff is an excellent communicator, not afraid to bring up to them what has been going wrong and how they can correct it. But these are things that are correctable if everybody buys in and is on the same page. J.B. spoke at length earlier this week, Mike, about what he labeled as negative talk around the Cavaliers. And I, I found that kind of interesting, but I, I, and I was surprised to hear him, him bring that up because I don't know if it was negative or if it's the, and, and a lot of the talk and, and from fans, from media folks or whatever, wouldn't some of that talk be based on the Cavs raising expectations? I, I think of people, you know, fan base uh, of media folks because they've played so well this year and because they've looked so good at times and, if that's the case, how does a team handle outside expectations or or can can you just ignore those? I, I would think you could ignore them because your own expectations are going to be greater than what anybody else thinks about what you're going to do this year, I would think. As you know, Jeff, this is not the old days where the only way of communicating hmm. or, or following the sport is either through reading a newspaper radio or TV. Now there are so many more areas that if they try to eliminate those three, they pick up their phone and they have to deal with Instagram and text messaging and all that stuff that goes on. 
So to completely ignore it may be hard. Can you get hardened to it? Yeah, you can get a harder shell on the outside and not take it to heart. But when people when people from the outside are talking about you, I don't care who it is, it hurts. When people are saying negative things about you, it hurts. And uh, the town wants this team to do so well, I think, that, as you said, they raised the bar so high that the expectations are they're going to win night in and night out. Well, the league is not about that right now. If you look at how many teams are closer to each other yeah. than how many teams have separated themselves from each other. It's, there aren't many teams that fall into that category that are somewhere between 8, 10, 12, 14 games above 500. It's more like teams who are two or three games above 500 or at 500 or one or two games below 500. That's the majority right now in the NBA, and it's that parity. Does the schedule have anything to do with it? Uh, I think this year I'm I'm seeing a strange reaction to schedule this year. Hmm. And what's that? It, is it because they've snuck some things in this year? The the two times in a row against the same team. Sometimes it has one day in between. You, you go to Dallas, play them twice with one day off in between. Whether you're playing back to back nights in the other city, I don't know if that's what it is, but. Why are so many teams around the 500 mark and so close to each other and so few has separated themselves? It's really true. In the Eastern Conference right now, uh, the Wizards, and they've been playing really well, they're two games under 500. They're in ninth place right now. So it, it's really crowded. And between the Wizards and the Bucks, who are in second place, it's nine and a half games difference. So I, I get I get that. How does a team learn to deal with some of that stuff, Mike? Or or is it just going through it and knowing you have to block out all that stuff and worry about your business? Well, this is where a veteran guy who's been around the league for a while and has had the experience. Donovan Mitchell has been in the playoffs in the Western Conference more than just one time. Five times. Yeah, and Donovan could certainly speak to his experiences with Utah, what it was like to win a series, win a round, or what it's like to get knocked out of around, not go any further uh, than your team and your city had hoped you would do it. So he's got to be able to pass that on, share it with the guys. And in the doldrums of the season, he's got to be able to talk to them about, hey, there's a lot of guys tired right now. There's a lot of guys nicked up right now. But if we want to stay in that upper echelon, if we want to fight for home court advantage, we can't let that affect us. When the other teams are failing at this time, we put together a run, we'll open up that gap, we'll secure a home court playoff spot, and we will have accomplished the first thing we wanted to this season, uh, which is to be in the playoffs and have a home court advantage first round. That would be terrific. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach with the Hawks, Cavaliers, and Grizzlies. Color analyst now with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. As we speak, Mike, all-star reserves are hours from being announced. So 
We don't have that information yet. It hasn't been announced as we're recording this. But the Cavaliers have their fingers crossed right now that Darius Garland could be named as an all-star reserve. And, and certainly I'm sure Jared Allen feels the same way, but I, I would think Darius would be the guy first and foremost who might be able to join Donovan Mitchell on that all-star team. Darius said earlier in the week that he thinks he's all-star worthy. And I think that's tough to disagree with. You know, he's been he's been terrific. He's sixth right now in the NBA in assists. He's averaging 21.8 points per game. And I don't think he'd make it. I don't I don't know that he would. All the experts that I've read on NBA.com, you know, who, who list their, their guys who they think will be on the seven reserves in the Eastern Conference named by the coaches, he wasn't listed by anybody. And I don't think that's any knock on Darius as much as it is. Boy, are there some really deserving guys in the Eastern Conference right now, Mike. And it's a really crowded field to get into that All-Star game. It really is. Uh, I... I know somebody's going to bring it up. Okay, let's expand the rosters for the All-Star game because there are more players that are deserving of getting it than ever in the past. Mike, you have almost as many players on an All-Star game, just a few more, than you have teams getting into the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I could see the rosters getting expanded. <laughs> if, if you want the All-Star game to mean something, you have to be, stop at some number. These are the elite players from the 30 teams. And if you went to expansion, what's your answer then? If you ever went to 32 teams yeah. in the NBA, which we hear talk about that happening in the offseason, then how many All-Stars? Do you, do you keep it at 12? Do you keep it at 15? Where do you move the needle to then at that point? Because you're adding that many more players you know, to the NBA itself. So, boys, it's, it's hard and Darius has done a terrific job for this team. The fact that they uh, are almost, and they have been on, on, a, on a regular basis, around 10 games above 500, and they are one of the better teams in the league in a lot of categories. Uh, but has he shown enough to warrant the coaches saying he's on a winning team, they're basically around 10 games above the 500 mark, and he deserves to be on it. That's that's a hard thing. That's what we don't know right now. We'll find out once it's announced. I remember Mike when he was a rookie, and I I think the growth in his game has been terrific. He played what I think five games at Vanderbilt because he was injured and and sat out almost all of his one season in college, and then as a rookie with the Cavs was was a was a fairly solid rookie. But there was some statistical analysis that had him ranked among the absolute worst players in the NBA. And, and I know doing our, our talk show, people would call and say, Garland can't play, blah, 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 blah. And, and I would make the point repeatedly that the kid is 19, 20 years old and he played five games. You have to give people a chance to develop. You don't walk into a league that's this talented very often and, and light it up. And then he bounced into year number two and really improved. And last year in season number three, made the all-star team and showed, boy, he was every bit worthy of a fifth overall pick in the draft. Where have you seen the most growth, Mike, in Darius's game? Well, let me give you an example of what you just said in another player. All right. Who basically a very similar career in college, didn't play very many games at all. And you might know his name right now, Kyrie Irving. Yes, I was just going to say, I bet I know who that is. <laughs> and it didn't come back till the end of the year in Duke. And they got knocked out 
as soon as he came back, that next game that he finally came back to play for them, I can't remember if that was the NCAA tournament. or the, Yeah, I think that was the NCAA tournament, not the ACC tournament. But they got upset or knocked out, if I remember, in that that round. That was the end of Kyrie's college career. But he has gone on to do fairly well. Yeah, he's uh, been okay, huh? Yeah, he's been okay. So <laughs> uh, I, I see the growth in Darius's game from his shot selection, uh, understanding what he needs to do to get other teammates better looks at the basket. I think he has a better feel now for when he needs to apply himself a little bit more, kind of take over a game if they need him to score uh, versus just running the show and getting other people involved. He can penetrate. He can create shots for himself. He can create shots for other people. And I think he's gotten a little bit better at the defensive end of the floor. And that will come, I think, with more strength where he feels a little more physicality and people start trying to beat on him and, get him to switch on to their best guy so that he has to try and guard somebody that's 25 pounds heavier and maybe three inches taller than he is. So uh, I think he's taken tremendous strides in his game growing and being a better player now than he was when he first came in. His numbers certainly show that, Mike. His scoring has gone up and he's at 21 points a game. His assist totals, he's sixth in the NBA right now. The challenge he had this year, and he was all for it, here comes Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, if, if Darius in his mind at some point thought, okay, this is my team. Well, now he's sharing that team, you know, with, with Donovan. And that has to be a difficult situation for a player. And, and I don't mean to, you know, to emotionally be able to say I'm sharing this, but to figure out how, how do I work with this guy? How does he work with me while we still keep Evan and Jarrett and everybody else that's on the floor engaged? How has Darius done in that category? And how long do you think something like that really takes to mesh? Is it a period of years? Because they've played real well together, I think, Mike. I mean, probably, I think, better than a lot of people thought they would this soon. I'd agree with you. I think in the beginning of the season, he was trying to feel his way around, like, when do I shoot and when does Donovan shoot? And I think Donovan was doing a similar thing. And by the way, I think there was a third guy doing the same thing. And that was that big uh, second year player up front. Okay. The seven footer who early in the year, everybody was saying, well, Mobley's kind of like not really overly asserting himself. No, I think he was being respectful for guys who have been around longer than he has in the league. I think he was trying to pick and choose his places. Recently we saw him, be very assertive when they needed him on given nights when his True. partner next to him wasn't there. But new guys with a star coming in, not trying to step on anybody's feet, talk it out, work it out. And then I, I think back to the night in Boston where uh, Darius was out and Karis LeVert steps in. Donovan Mitchell gets 42 points, and so does Karis LeVert yeah. get 42 points. He knew what he had to do that night. He went out and did it along with Donovan. So. It's a, a process, I think, of communicating and, and meshing in with each other and respecting the other players on your team for what their abilities are. And you go from there and try and work. It's got to work. You have, you have to be willing to make it work. I would think, Mike, it's gone so far through 50-some games about as well as I think you could have ever expected it to because Darius has still put up the numbers. Donovan's numbers are are sky high, career high numbers. So that's worked. And the team has won. So 
I, I think they've pulled it off pretty well so far. Where does it go? What 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 next has to happen there? Well, we're going to see now if they can get through this stretch. You're going to have the break coming up uh, in another week and a half. And once we get to that All-Star weekend, you know, first thing that will take place is on the 9th of February, trade deadline goes by. Yep. You know, Jeff, from all your years covering uh, the team, there are guys right now that are holding their breasts and they're going home every night and they're sitting down with their families and their wives are saying to them, do you think we're going to be here? Do you, mm-hmm. you think we're going to wind up in another city? Where do you think we're going to wind up? What's that other city going to be if we're going to be traded? So it really plays on their minds because being traded, is, is it's really hard on, on families. Children are changing schools. You got to find a new home or you know, are you leasing, renting? Are you buying? How many years you're going to be in the next city? You got to transfer all the bank accounts and everything. You know, just think of everything that you do where you live, and all of that has to go away because you're going to another place. So, the NBA is hard. It's hard on families. It's hard on players, and it does play mind games around this time of year. So, can they settle in? Once the ninth goes by, it's going to be interesting which teams go on a little run, put five, six, seven wins in a row together, because guys will be done going like, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, we're going to make it to the end of this year. And and then they, they move forward with business at hand. That is to do as well as you can, getting in the playoffs and seeing how far you can go in the playoffs. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. Mike Fratello. Jeff Phelps, there are some hot topics in the NBA right now. Mike, I, I want to hit on some of these. First and foremost, a guy, and I, I remember doing the games, it was pay-per-view at James A. Rhodes Arena at the University of Akron. I remember talking to you at one of those games as LeBron was a high school senior playing his games there, and they were on pay-per-view television, and you came to watch him. I'm doing those things. And here he sits, as we speak right now, 89 points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. I don't think either one of us ever thought that back, you know, when we saw him when he was a high school senior. But I wonder if anybody thought, Mike, that he would become the all-time leading scorer in the NBA because of this, maybe first and foremost. He's fourth all-time in assists. Guys don't always i mean you can score you know and, and pass the ball like crazy but if you're fourth all time in assist and number one all time in scoring man that's that might be more remarkable than anything he's ever done mike and that's why i think him becoming the all-time leading scorer is something that i i don't think was on the radar at least when he came into the league i would have to agree with you i think in fairness to kareem we should mention that he did go to ucla uh, and he played his years at UCLA before yep. com- coming out. When he was at UCLA, if you remember, um, he was not allowed to dunk the basketball uh, because the NCAA had prohibited dunking at a certain point. He could only play freshman basketball in his freshman year at UCLA, and that's why the freshman team would beat the varsity on a regular basis <laughs> when Coach Wooden would scrimmage against the freshman team. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so, you know, so those are years that Kareem, if he would have come out right away, uh, would have been adding more points to the total that he had, and LeBron might be chasing him for a little bit longer. But uh, Kareem's record was 
so incredible. He scored so many points that it's taken someone uh, this long, this many years to catch up to him, go past him. Uh, If you heard a quote by LeBron after the game, uh, his last game or two games ago, where he was asked, how much longer do you anticipate playing? And he said, well, I expect to be around for a, a couple more years at least. He has two more years, I believe, on his contract after this season. So if that's the case, he's going to have an opportunity to build and pad uh, that lead. And will anyone ever come along that can break the record as far as points go? But when you add the other statistic that you mentioned, how many assists he's had, I think the one thing it tells you is LeBron James has had the ball in his hands an awful lot during his (laughs) career. Remember, Kareem, usually took the ball out of bounds after the other team scored and then ran down the court. LeBron gets the ball thrown into him the majority of the times, and he brings it down the court, and he makes decisions then whether he's going to pass or take shots or create shots for himself or other people. And in no way could you ever say that LeBron has been a selfish player to just try and beat Kareem's record. Absolutely not. This is a guy who's played the game the right way, who shares the basketball, gives it up when he has somebody who's more open than him yet, possesses the incredible ability to put major numbers on the scoreboard every night if he wanted to. Mike, right now he's averaging 30 points a game. And the interesting thing about that to me is, is this is a guy who, if he wanted to, he, he could have he averaged 35 points a game. This is This is only the fourth time in his career that he's averaged 30 points a game in a season. I don't think there's any question if he weren't such a good passer of the basketball. And if that weren't such a part of his game, 35 points a game, and he'd have maybe done this a long time ago, but it's that all around game that surprises me about him being the all-time leading scorer. Jeff, let me, while I'm talking here for a second, see if you can look up what is LeBron averaging for his career in minutes per game. And what did Kareem average per minutes uh, per game in, in his career, starting out right. in Milwaukee and then moving on from Milwaukee to the Lakers. And LeBron been with three teams now, uh, Cleveland, and then going to Miami from there and from Miami going to uh, the Lakers. Are they around that 38, 39-minute mark? I'm, I'm uh, glad you asked. You ready? Yeah. 38 a game for LeBron, 36.8 a game for Kareem. So similar, LeBron's played a few more minutes per game. Yeah, and that could be because some of those Laker teams were so great, they were up 30, 35 points. Yeah, that's and true. They just didn't put Kareem back in the game again. Yeah, that's really they, true. They didn't see a need for him to go back in the game when Magic and you know Worthy and that whole group of guys, Byron Scott, et cetera, were playing. So, um, yeah, these aren't guys that were like 42 minutes a night, 43, 44 minutes a night guys. Uh, so they've accomplished an awful lot in the minutes that they've played. But when you put the fourth in assist with potentially becoming the number one scoring person in the NBA, well, you've had to handle the basketball an awful lot and yeah. make decisions, an awful lot of decisions throughout his career. It's pretty incredible. Hot topic number two. Trade deadline, you mentioned it. Trade deadline coming up on February 9th. And tying it in with something we mentioned earlier, Mike, 
there are so many teams that are bunched up right now. I'm not sure what impact that'll have at the trade deadline. If if you're a team that's that's toward the top, are you thinking, okay, we're good because th- there are so many teams? Does does one move put us over the top, or are we okay to go right now? I'm wondering if we're going to see big moves or if we're going to see tinkering from teams. And, and if you're if you're a lower team, you know, say say you're fifth, sixth, seventh right now. Do you think you can make the kind of move that would make that huge of an impact that you should go ahead and mortgage some of the future? So I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Big moves are tinkering. What do you think? As a front office guy, I have to determine uh, with ownership, obviously, involved in this. Uh, are we at the point right now where we need to make the playoffs? Do our fans need a playoff team right now? Or will our fans be accepting enough for the fact that well, you know, we're pretty good but we need another year under our belts, and then we could expect this team to be in the playoffs. So having said that, if your fan base has waited for three years, for four years, for five years, and now all of a sudden you're saying, hey, the pressure's on. You've got to produce. You've got to win. You've got. Then you may have to go out and look for that piece. It may be picks. If you have a number of picks left to put with a piece, uh, that all depends on what you have to give up because you can't give up something that is so important to your team that if you give that piece up, now you've created another hole just to fill this first hole that you're thinking about. And then who do you go after? Are you worried about salary? Will your owner pay the money uh, if you're way over the luxury tax? Uh, a guy, you know, names that are going around, positions that are going around, it seems like, uh, and I'll talk about teams that I know, um, The Clippers have an abundance of wings, we'll call them. Mm -hmm. Six foot six to six foot eight size players. They have a bunch of them, six, seven of those guys. So they could afford to give one up or even two of them up if a team wanted them to get back something that they need. The consensus there seems to be that the Clippers will go after a point guard. They don't really have a true point guard in the sense of the word, the guy that run the show, get get guys in the right place, take over at the end of the game, control the ball, get it down, get it to the right person. If you think about it right now, Clippers have Paul George at times dribbling the ball down the court, Kawhi Leonard at times dribbling it. Those are guys you want to give the ball to after somebody else dribbles it over the half court line, a good decision maker, a guy that can get them in their offense. So the word out is that the, Clippers would try to pick up a point guard if possible. You don't want a rookie and experienced point guard. Their team is a team that's trying to win now. Right. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know, they're, they're into their careers away. So you want to go find the point guard that can help your team now. Who's out there that's a veteran that a, that a team might consider giving them up? Well, Miami has been playing uh, the youngster way more than they've been playing Lowry. Now, forget Vincent. Vincent, right, yes. They've been playing Vincent more at the end of the games than they have Kyle Lowry. So at 36 years old, would they think about trading a Kyle Lowry right now at this point in his career? Um, in Utah, Utah's kind of a mix of the youth movement, the marketing deal, and yet there's Conley. Mike Conley has been around forever. Yeah in that veteran leadership position as a point guard. Would they be willing to give up a Mike Connolly? How much would 
the Clippers be willing to trade or give away to get a Mike Connolly, to get a Kyle Lowry. So those are the decisions. Same thing with the Cavaliers. People probably saying, what do they need? It seems to be a solid, legit starting small forward to stop the question of who's playing tonight. You know, is it Stevens tonight? Is it Okoro tonight? Is it Jetty Osmond tonight? Is Karis LeVert the small forward tonight? So if that came along, what would they have to give up as an organization to get a starting small forward quality type guy and where you're going to get him? It almost feels, you know, somebody's going to make that big trade. You know, some, somebody's going to try and make a splash. I just kind of, it's going to be great to see which team does that, who goes for it, and then ultimately, is it effective or not? Final thought, Mike. Teams on the top right now, and I don't mean any disrespect here. I, I This is the way this has played out so far in the NBA. Boston's in first place. Denver's in first place. And I wouldn't say it's real comfortable right now, but they've clearly been the top teams in their conferences. Are they the real teams to beat in those conferences? Or with parody the way it's been so far i think in the nba season mike are they just the team in first place right now who of course once the playoffs start would have a, a real good chance to go deep but I, I don't know if if like as we've seen in the years past well that's the team you know that's definitely the team and, and i don't mean that disrespectfully to boston or to denver because i think they've both been terrific but boy there have been a lot of really good teams in the nba this year which makes me think that this postseason could be a crapshoot and the Boston and Denver aren't necessarily the absolute teams to beat. Well, let's deal with the Eastern Conference first. I'm going to leave Cleveland out because we saw early in the year that within a week, Cleveland beat Boston two times. Yeah. You go back and remember Early on, they did. So let's leave that team out, Cleveland, and deal with how would you like to face the Brooklyn Nets with a healthy Kevin Durant no, and you. Kyrie Irving yeah. and you know Ben Simmons playing. And the guys that they've used now in the meantime, Joe Harris back healthy once again, they're kind of interesting, Brooklyn, because after dropping, I think it was the first two, they went four and two after that when Durant first went out. And then it's been like win one, lose one. But they're an interesting team where when you put Kevin Durant back in the mix, because Kevin Durant may have been in – MVP talk if he did not get hurt this year. He was mm. off to a terrific start, was playing great basketball. All he was thinking about was finally, was just let me play basketball. He was doing that. He was playing great. The team was really good at that time. And then, unfortunately, the injury took place. So there's a team that you might look at in the Eastern Conference. If you put the Brooklyn Nets healthy and whole, against the Boston Celtics, healthy and whole. Yeah. That'd be a pick them right now, I would think. I would think so, too. And, and now you've, you've got to like Milwaukee. you got to like Philadelphia. They're both very good. Both of them right there. And then who's the fifth team? Is it Cleveland, the next team behind them? Are they the next best? And those teams like Milwaukee, like Philadelphia, one serious injury was sold it did to Milwaukee when Middleton went out. Right, as close as they came, they just couldn't go all the way without Middleton. They just didn't have enough firepower. So you lose a key guy. Maxi coming back has made Philadelphia really interesting. Big yeah. man playing like an MVP candidate uh, should play. So you've got five teams, if you count the Cavaliers, that, that any one of them could be in the top four 
and have home court in the first round. When you go over to the Western Conference, you said Denver, I believe, right now has the best record in the Western Conference. Yep. As we then, speak, they're three up on Memphis. All right, then give me the next three teams uh, in the Western Conference. If Denver's one. Denver, Memphis, Sacramento's five and a half games out of first place. Then the Clippers at seven and a half games out. And then Dallas and Minnesota. And and I, the team I keep looking at, Mike, is the Clippers. You know, they're sitting in fourth right now. And we've talked about on this, you know, all right, Kawhi's resting tonight. Paul George is out. They're really watching the minutes that those guys are playing so that they're ready to go. I, I think that team, maybe more than anybody in the West, is a different team when you hit playoff time. And that that's the thing I keep thinking about with Denver. As, as good as Denver is, as much as, as I know we both respect Michael Malone, and they're going to be really good. They're going to be tough to beat. But that's why I wonder, are, are they the team to beat, or are they just sitting in first place right now? Well, the talk today about Denver is um, that they might be willing to give up Highland. Mm. And if you know who he is, if you haven't followed him as a fan, he's a guy that comes on the, off the bench for them. And offensively, he can do some amazing things. He comes off shooting. He leaves the floor shooting. And <laughs> he can make threes and he can make them in bunches. He may not be the strongest defender. He's got a lot to say when he's out on the floor, which gets under some people's skin, but he backs it up most nights with his ability to make shots. Now, the, the talk, and I'm talking about like NBA radio, that type of thing, uh, is people saying, well, they've got a couple of young guys on that roster that they really love right now that could take Highland's place as far as producing the number of points. But what they need is a tougher lockdown defender kind of guy. Mm. And would they be willing to give a Highland up to get that kind of a guy if one became available? Um, give me the other the other top four uh, team that you mentioned besides Denver Memphis, and Memphis. Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento. Clippers. Yeah, Clippers. So, you know, the Clippers are in the, in the midst right now of a very, very difficult road trip. Uh, they had a a big win against Chicago, uh, huge win. And Chicago jumped out early. Chicago made all kinds of threes, which Chicago doesn't do every night, but they did in the first half against the Clippers. Clippers had a comeback, wound up winning that game, which was a huge win, put them two and one on this road trip. So now they go at New York, Madison Square Garden, at Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, mm -hmm then fly home with one day to fly and Dallas is waiting for them. And then after Dallas, they've got San Antonio coming in and somebody else that I'm not counting San Antonio as one of the upper echelon teams, but there's another very good team that's going to come in then. So even though the road trip is over, their stretch of playing against top notch teams still goes on. So we'll see, can they win? Another one, one of the two in New York. Can they take one of the two in New York is a big question for them yeah. because they've been – the one thing that they have been this year is inconsistent. So if that <laughs> remains the same, then they got – you know, they could – like you mentioned, they could be in fourth place tonight. They could be in eighth or ninth place two nights from now, three nights from now. It's that close in the Western Conference. And you don't want to play them in the postseason regardless of where they are. That's for sure. Especially not with the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you know, two right. guys who have gone for 40 or more, you know, and one of them has won MVP twice, winning championships for two different franchises. 
get ready. This this is going to be fun. You know, coming out of the All-Star break, I think it's going to be a race to the playoffs, and then the playoffs could be really fascinating this year. Next time we talk, we'll have some trade deadline thoughts because the trade deadline will be just a couple of days away. I look forward to it, sir. Safe travels to you. Next time we talk, do you think maybe we can talk about the All-Star team and who is selected and maybe what they're doing this year that's different from past years as far as selecting the team because it'll all be very interesting i feel i'll put it on the rundown let's do it appreciate it thank you all right michael mike fratello jeff phelps this is basketball gold thanks for listening this has been basketball gold brought to you by betway.com betway for the sport of it gambling problem 1-800-GAMBLER